Welcome to the LeBron and OD podcast. Tonight is Thursday, May 17th from the friendly confines of northern New Jersey and Dallas, Texas. I'm Brian O'Donnell and with me as always is the artist formerly known as Kyle LeBron. Kyle, the very first question out of the gate tonight. All right. Is it Laurel or is it Yanni? All right. As far as what I heard, I heard Laurel. What did you hear? Dude, you are smoking illicit drugs if you think that it's Laurel. <laughs> there's something seriously wrong with your head. There's there's a serious illness going on in 60% of the American population who says that it's Laurel. It's without question Yanny. I, I in fact can't... in fact I heard I heard Yammy with an M. Oh. I don't know I don't know where this Laurel thing is coming from. I heard the scientific explanation of mm-hmm. it has to do with bass and it has to do with frequency and what your ear is able to hear versus what it's not. Hmm. So uh, that's apparently the explanation. Now, what was your source, yeah. though, when you listened to it? Like, that's the real question. Like, what were you on, listening to it on a phone? Did you have headphones on? Like, what were you listening I heard from? It, I heard it on a computer. Okay. I heard it on a phone. I heard it on my wife's phone. I heard it on somebody else's computer. I heard it on headphones. And every single time, I heard Yanny. I mean, how many, how many devices did you need to test this out? Like, were you well, unsure because, of yourself? So I, I had a conversation. I had a conversation uh, with a with a buddy, and he said, he goes, "What has to do with the bass? It, it depends on what device you're listening on." And I said, "What the hell are you talking about? I've listened on five different devices now, and there is no difference on any of them." I've talked to some people who said that on different devices they hear it differently, but then I watched a I watched a guy who who took the recording and played around with it in terms of its bass and frequency, and sure. Fair enough. When he played around with those things, I started to hear different things. But that also means that my ears versus your ears, what we are capable of hearing are two different things, yeah, which just, is incredibly just, fascinating. It reminds you of that uh, the dress with the, the blue and the black versus the white and the gold. Some people saw a white and gold dress. Other people saw a blue and black dress. It all had to do with the way our eyes perceived the light reflecting off of the gold. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what it tells me is that you can't hear. That's what that tells me. <laughs> <laughs> that is precisely what it tells me. So I look at it like this. I heard it from uh, a coworker's iPhone 10. So I was in. I so you, you were wor- you were working with the best technology possible? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, there's speakers. There's a limitation to those speakers, but it gets the it got the job done, I would say. So, all right. Well, I mean, the breakdown is sixty forty. So, apparently, I'm in the minority. That's okay. I'm a uh, I'm a sensitive soul, and it's a, it's a part of me. So, yeah. Well, I would say is that if you want to weigh in, you can actually reach out to us at the LeBron and OD podcast. Uh, we have ourselves a Twitter handle. I actually just made that. Uh, I don't know why it shows like it does, but it says at Braun and L.E. So I don't know what they're doing when it comes to that. But (laughs) (laughs) that is exactly what just came out. So at LeBron and L.E., we'll get that figured out, but you can reply there and we'll see what you think as well. Yeah, and we also have, uh, I know I have an individual uh, Twitter uh, handle. It's at Big O.D., B-I-G-O-D-5. So if you ever want to reach out to us, our direct messages are open. Yes. If you want to send us uh, comments, uh, questions for the next podcast, 
feel free to do so and we'll read them on the air and uh, hopefully answer your questions or uh, start some just riveting conversation. Uh, so we wanted to start off tonight with the idea of two new segments that we wanted to introduce. Uh, the very first segment is a segment that I like to call Horton Hears a Poo. <laughs> you may wonder, what the heck does that mean? Horton Hears a Poo. Well, obviously, it's a little play on words from Horton Hears a Who. There was a, uh, an incident up in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, Kyle has not seen this video yet. He's pulling it up on, on his computer. I want, Kyle, I want you to, to quickly Google woman poops at you can either go I just uh, see Tim, Hortons poops, Tim Hortons or, or Starbucks. All right, here we go. I'm pulling it up. I have never seen this before. Oh boy. <laughs> just thinking about it, it's making me laugh. Oh boy. Here we go. All right, I'm pulling it up. I've never seen this. This is 40 seconds apparently. It seems like this is going in fast motion over here. Okay. She's, she, she's very agitated. She's very agitated. Yeah, I can see this. <laughs> I'm sorry. It may scar some people. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like... Did she just pick it up and throw it? <laughs> yes. No, and she wiped her ass. Oh no! Oh my god! So basically, the backstory is: I guess the woman got arrested. She got arrested in the par parking lot after it happened. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Obviously, this thing is this thing has gone viral very quickly. She was in a Tim Hortons, which. You know, I haven't been to Canada since I was about seven years old. So the best way that somebody described it to me was that I said, is it like a Denny's? And they said, no, more like a Dunkin' Donuts, but like a really bad Dunkin' Donuts where the coffee is garbage. And I said, OK, <laughs> so apparently this woman had been in there before and she had harassed one of the employees. So when she showed up this time, she said. She went to use the bathroom, and they didn't let her use the bathroom. So she got really, really agitated, stepped back, and like she's done it before in public, she leans against the wall, pulls down her pants, and takes a dump <laughs> in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I like. I don't like. This is this is what the world is coming to now. Like this is where we're at. Like, I mean, because dude, this. I mean, you can't even. <laughs> I mean, bruh. Like the quality. Like you can. Oh my gosh, man! And what makes it more ridiculous though is that she wipes her ass. Like, like I'm watching this again, bruh. She like grabs like a whole pile of the thing, wipes her ass, and then throws it at them. So, so before before she does it, she's she's belligerently yelling at the guy. And he's saying, no, I can't let you use the bathroom. She's already taken napkins off the counter. But she knows what she's going to do. And then she proceeds to do it. And the crazy thing to me was he steps toward her as this is happening. 
saying, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> if that was me, I'm running the total other direction. Yeah, no I way. I'm getting as far away from it as possible because I'm saying, this woman is psych- she's psych- she's psychopathic. I mean, she's literally taking a dump in the middle of a restaurant. Like this isn't this isn't a, this isn't somebody who's saying it. Yeah, I mean, you know what my thing is though? Like Brian, so here's the question. How much money would you need to get paid to like have shit thrown at you? Like where you feel comfortable <laughs> that you're getting like an actual value like for your dollar? I don't know. Is it is it is it I guess it depends on the consistency. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, yeah, that no, there's oh my god. So I'm just looking through and seeing comments on the like video that I just watched as well, and this one guy replies, "That's like every Dunkin' Donuts in New England after." <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! And, I mean, and anyone who's been to New England knows there's a Dunkin' Donuts on every single street corner in New England. Yeah, it's, it's like without fail. Like I went to college up there. I've been to Boston several times. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts is is basically a native son to to New England. There's one on every on every street corner. It is deplorable. It is. Are there a ton of those in New Jersey as well? I mean, there should be a lot of them there too. Uh, no? Yeah, there's there's a ton in New York, New Jersey. Dunkin' Donuts is like really a northeastern thing. And yeah. Starbucks basically dominates everybody uh, everywhere else. Yeah, because I was going to say um, in Dallas, I mean, they have Starbucks like in every supermarket. It's ridiculous. Like there's like a Tom Thumb and a Kroger, which would be like two separate uh, supermarket chains down here. And they're like literally within like one quarter of a mile of each other in Rockwall, Texas, closer to where I'm at. And they both have a Starbucks in there. And then there's like a regular Starbucks store, like right down the road. It's unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I'm personally not a coffee drinker. My wife asked me how I get through the day. I just say I pound water. That's, that's basically that's what it. I do. I love it. Mental, um, mental discipline there. You're keeping mental, your caffeine. Mental discipline, you know. Uh, or insanity. I mean, it could be that too. Operate on five hours of sleep and just power through with some water. Um, so basically, Long story short, the award is uh, is an homage to the woman's performance and mental breakdown in that Tim Hortons. And what better way to describe it than Horton hears a poo. Proverbially, it's basically a performance or an athlete. Anything from the, the last week that really jumps out at you as that person just shit the bed on national TV and it was a really bad performance, highly unimpressed. And that's the best way to describe it. So I have two, I have two for this week. The number one, I have a, I have a number one and a number two, Mm -hmm. number one, without question, J.R. Smith's performance (laughs) against the Celtics the other night. I mean, and the, he he really inspired this award. So in some ways, it might have to be called the honorary J.R. J.R. Smith Award. Yeah. You know what I love about J.R.? It's like some weeks, he or some weeks, I don't want to say weeks because he's never been that consistent in like two years. Some, some quarters. Yeah, some quarters. He looks like, you know, like, oh, wow, like that's a really good basketball player. Like I want him on my team. And then for the next like three weeks, because that's more consistent, you're just like, this guy's not even a G League player. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing is that I'm not sure you can trust anybody with neck tattoos. It's it's sort of a rule. And I know a lot of people have tattoos these days and they got the sleeves and you know, the whole millennial sleeve thing, but 
Do you have tats? JR is, Do you have tats? JR, JR is not all there in the head. And he's got a Yankee tattoo <laughs> straight over his Adam's apple, which is just bizarre in itself. But JR had zero points in the game. I mean, it was not quite a, cl- a club trillion because he did have some turnovers. He had a ton of personal fouls. He had a technical foul. I mean, he was all over the place. I mean, he's pushing guys in the back. Yep. And this is all this is all on the heels of putting up a goose egg. So J.R. Smith with our inaugural Horton Hears a Poo award for this week. Dude, I, you know, if we would have had that going like the whole season, he would have had he would have won this a whole bunch of times. He may he may have had more. He may have had more. Now, my second, uh, my runner-up, who's the, uh, as we call it, the the first runner-up for Horton Here's a Poo, mm-hmm. is, I gotta, it pains me to say this, because I love him, I love him like he's my own child, Steph Curry yeah. last night. It was, it was brutal. It was rough. I mean, he was defensively, getting... Defensively, defensively, it was just, it was a mess. His knee, I don't know if it's his knee. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but he's not looking like himself. And I know that he's not the best defensive player, but man, last night it got ugly. They were, they were isolating him on Harden. There was a stretch in the third quarter when Golden State was trying to get back into it. And Kevin Durant was doing everything he could to get them back into it. And they just kept, Golden State kept switching on these, on these screens at the top of the key. And it left Curry one-on-one with Harden. Harden would just blow by him for an easy two points or blow by him and kick it out for an open three. And, mm-hmm. man, it was painful. Like, I tell you, if he if he's – if he's I, listen, James Harden's a really, really great player. But, God, if, he, if he's that shaky defensively for the rest of the playoffs, they they might not win the series and they might not – they might not win the finals. It's – it was ugly. I mean, that yeah, was that was that was a really ugly performance. And listen, I I don't want to you know we'll kind of get to it when we talk about the talk about that series. I don't want to overblow, you know, my take from one game because after game one, I'm thinking this is going to be a sweep. Mm-hmm. After game two, I'm sort of thinking, oh my god, is Golden State serious with this? Like that was, I mean, th- as a team, as a team, they took a poop in Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. It was it was. Uh, <laughs> It was bad, but so I've I don't think I don't think Steph Curry is going to be I don't think he's going to be in our in our uh, Pooh Award very often. Well, he's definitely deserving of it right at the moment. So this is a brief take on that. Really, I well we'll get to the I don't even want to blow it up. We'll get to that series in just a second. I think Curry will be a okay, but to me, if you're going to get destroyed on defense like that, like at least nail some three pointers. Like don't be pathetic like he has been. I mean, because you know what it is? If he was getting dominated like that defensively, that's one thing. But when you're not giving it to them on the other end, like that's what really makes it frustrating. So um, I I just want to see more out of him offensively. If you're going to, because they're going to target him every play and that's fine. But make sure that you do your part on the other end. Like don't be a no-show on the other end and then get dominated defensively too. For sure. For sure. Without question. It's, you know, it's all about sort of, if you're dropping 30, I guess you're allowed to give up 20. But if you're giving up 25 and you're only, you know, if you're only dropping 18 yourself, then it's not, it's not acceptable. Yeah. It's, not from you know, a player that was a unanimous MVP. You, 
Yeah, you're net negative. It's you, there's more expectations out of you. The expectation is, is that you're going to play and drop, you know, high twenties, thirty points, and at least play respectable defense. It was it was a brutal performance. Um, but yeah, it was, it was I, just a brutal performance. There's no better the, way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, but I think the Warriors' problems are fixable, though. I think that I think that it's very very fixable. They. Because what they're doing, what Houston's doing, I don't think that there's actually a way that you can stop it. Because basically, I think what Houston is going with at this point is they're just trying to take what the Cleveland Cavaliers did when they beat the 73-win Warrior team and just do the same thing all over again. Like That is literally what they're going to try and do. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to work, but because uh, I still think Golden State will beat them in five games. Because I think if they make one small adjustment, that will completely fix this issue. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm back to the, uh, I'm back to the Golden State in six. I, I do think that Houston, I think that they can get another, I think they can get another win playing this way. I think one small switch will completely fix the issue. So let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, but it's, it's, if they can just, if they get hot and Golden State's a little hungover, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I think that Houston can do enough to win another game. I I, don't, I I really don't think that that's that's an outrageous thing to say. Oh no, I don't think so. And either. I think the fact that you know, going back to our podcast uh, from a couple weeks ago, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, we had brought up that this could be a this could be a seven game series where every game is decided by at least twenty points. Yeah, one way or the other, absolutely. Yeah, like it could go seven games, and none of the games are close. Like. These are two teams that get incredibly hot offensively. And if the other team doesn't show up defensively, it's going to be a blowout. That's that's basically how how these how these games go. These are both teams that can easily go mm-hmm. for 120. <clears throat> no doubt. And it's not that easy to score 120 points. So these two teams can definitely kind of get into blowouts with one another. I don't know. I just I think Houston has enough to win a couple of games, but I don't think they're going to win the series. I still think Golden State has too much talent, but I could definitely see this game going. Uh, sorry, I could I could definitely see this series going six games, um, at least. If it went seven, it wouldn't shock me. Um, Houston did enough last night to make me believe that they do have a puncher's chance in this series. We, I've gone back and forth on it for the last like two months. Do they mm-hmm. have a chance? Do they not? Before the series or. Two weeks ago, I thought they have a shot. A week ago, I said there's no shot. And now I'm kind of back to about six games. I think they're going to win uh, another game, but I think that they're <clears> going to, in the end, lose the series. What what I think needs to happen, first off, I think they have Steph Curry on like the wrong people altogether. Because there are a couple things that happened for Houston that will probably never happen again. Um, P.J. Tucker was hitting shots that he will probably never hit again in his life, let alone again in this series. So I think that what Golden State needs to do, because it seems like Houston is making the same switch over and over again. They want to get Curry on uh, Harden, and Curry is generally on like Ariza or, you know, folks that can, you know, do a little bit of damage. What I think they need to do is put Curry on P.J. Tucker and let that be the pick and roll they go with and really just make it hard uh, for these folks, because PJ Tucker, I promise you, he will never have another game like that in this series. Like it will not happen. Put Curry on Tucker. So when the switch happens, look, Harden's going to give whoever he wants the business. It doesn't matter who's guarding him. He's going to get his points. He's going to get his buckets. And he didn't even play that great yesterday, by the way. Like he was not that great. What you need to do 
is if they're if Harden is going to do the same thing, then like I said, make the role player or the player that you're switching with, let it be PJ Tucker and let him beat you. Let if Harden's going to drive to the rack and do a whole bunch of stuff, then let PJ Tucker be the guy on the pick and roll that you go with and let him be the one that beats you. Cause I promise you, he won't what Houston did yesterday. It was all well and good. I'm fine with it. It's not going to work for seven games. There's no way. Like, I don't, I, I think you make that one small adjustment and obviously golden state has to not turn the basketball over 800 times in the first quarter. That'll definitely help as well. But well, I mean, what about this? What about this? What if, what if you say defensively, we're not going to switch. What if you're actually going to, hedge on those screens and you're actually going to play the screen tell james harden hey go ahead and take the step back three maybe the refs will actually call you for a travel once i mean there's that too i mean i, I because just... there's no there's nothing that drives me crazier james harden with that step back three that is a travel every day of the week it is outrageous <laughs> to me cp3 that that even did it yesterday like, listen we can we can go back through the years when we were in high school chris duhan was at duke and I'll always remember the play. It was a game against North Carolina. This guy starts at the top of the key and ends in the corner and shoots a shot. And he did not take a dribble. The guy literally took about six steps and didn't didn't take a dribble. Look, he's and a somehow Duke Blue Devil. He does good. not need a dribble. He can do whatever he wants. Well, I know. That's because Coach K has, That's them, right. has them blackmailed. But, <laughs> you know, you, you go – you take a look at, like, James Harden, LeBron. I mean, it's like – for example, LeBron misses a shot. Oh, he's calling for the foul. Somebody fouled me. Uh, he turns the ball over. It's somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, with Harden, Harden walks a lot. You could, you could literally call a lot of these guys for travels on every single drive, every single step back. I mean, Harden takes two steps, three steps to gather himself and then shoot. Like, this is, this is, this is clear cut. Like, he's traveling. Like, I understand that, that in the history of the NBA, especially in the last 30 years, there's been a reluctancy to call stars for traveling. Mm-hmm. But if that's what they're doing, you got to call them. I look at it like this, man. I'm, I don't care for the whole step back three that he does. And I saw Chris Paul do it again yesterday as well. You know, it's just one of the, it's just one of those things that it is what it is. I listen, they're not calling it. They're not going to start calling it Harden, in my opinion, gets, you know, they talk about him being like one of the greatest isolation players of all time. But I feel like what he gets by with is like his actual intelligence to get other people in foul trouble versus his actual skill. Like if you were to ask me, like, who's a better player, like James Harden or Kobe Bryant or James Harden or Michael Jordan? It's like it's not oh, even I don't close. Think it's close. It's yeah, like it's to close. me. Kobe Bryant in his prime would destroy James Harden. Like, would absolutely, he'd be like, listen, like, you want to do all that fancy bull? Like, come over here, boy. Like, I got you. And and then Kobe's going to give it to him on the other end. He's going to be like, no, we're switching Harden on me. Like, he wants to dance and do all that stuff? Well, I'm going to take him from here. And I don't know. I, like, to me, I felt like Kobe was a more skilled offensive player than James Harden would be. I don't, like, James Harden's a good shooter. I wouldn't say he's like, the greatest shooter of all time or anything like that. Not that Kobe was either. Michael's better than both of them, obviously, but I feel like James Harden's a little more sketchy when he actually has to shoot, but he's a pretty nice three point shooter. I can't hate on him there. No, listen, he's, he's a very good offensive player. A lot of his game, just like it did in college, it revolves around driving and drawing fouls. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, a lot of great players are very adept at drawing fouls, and it's a skill that they have very early in their career. And then, you know, a lot of times refs and, you know, Michael Jordan was a was a huge beneficiary beneficiary of it as well, where mm-hmm. refs just with star players, they get the benefit of the doubt. If, if the guy misses and it's close, he's going to get the foul call. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we seem to we seem to differ on this series a little bit. You you think that basically it's that game two is the blip on the radar, and that from here on out that it's basically going to be cruise control. I think Golden State wins both games in Oakland. Uh, I think Houston comes back, wins uh, game actually, five. You know, what? you know, if they're down three one, they're not coming back. <laughs> no, that's just it. I mean, you're telling yeah, me that, that Mike yeah, D'Antoni right. and, and James Harden, Chris. Uh, uh, Chris Paul, you tell me that they have like the fortitude to prevent that from happening. Like, get out of here. What Houston? If Houston doesn't get a split in Oakland, then I think that they're losing Game Five. Look, if they can get a split, they're very much alive in Game Five. Golden State has not lost a game at Oakland in the playoffs since Kevin Durant has joined them, and I don't think it's going to happen now. Like for whatever, I don't know what they have in the San Francisco water or Oakland water. I don't know where dude, Steph Curry stays. Dude, 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 dude. That game. That game last night. I, I know you're saying. I know. I know it was a road game. I know that they their record at home with Durant. But dude, it was Golden ugly. State, it was Golden ugly. State Golden State looked like they were drunk last night. I agree. They looked like they just walked out of the club. Like it was ridiculous. They they, they, they walked <laughs> out of the club. They they all ordered about five bottles. They took a bottle each. It was a mess. I mean, I mean the was, turnovers. It was, it was ridiculous. I can't, I can't emphasize enough how bad that was last night. And I stayed awake, like, you know, East Coast time watching these Western Conference games. It's not enjoyable the next morning. No, you should have turned it off when in the second quarter, man, played. with the way that yeah, game went down. Yeah, but when they down. narrowed it to 12, when they narrowed it to 12 a couple minutes into the third quarter, I started thinking, well, you know, I'll stay up a little bit longer. Maybe they're going to start a comeback. Nope. No. Didn't no, have. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, in fact, I just got angry at myself that I stayed up that extra, like, half hour. And I was like, I should have just, I should have given up on this game long before indeed but yes we'll see how it uh it goes i wanted to pose this question to you yes do you think that houston is a contender next year if lebron is not a rocket is this their one shot at a title barring barring lebron going and and hanging out with chris paul um hmm I think if they can keep the band together, they could potentially be. I mean, it really just depends how the series goes. I mean, if I if it goes how I anticipate and they lose in five, then no, I don't think that keeping the band together will make too much of a difference. Then, in my opinion, you have to go out and get LeBron or at the very least get someone like Paul George. But I don't know if Paul George wants to play in a system where he's like the third banana at this point. Like, um, I I don't even know where I heard it from, but there was something like uh, Paul George's... Uh, He's one of the players that's uh, one of the highest rated to be like most improved player of the year next year, just because <laughs> just because he was playing with Westbrook. Just, yeah, oh so. my god, it's like it's like Oladipo this year. Yeah, it's man. Like, when when you're playing in Oklahoma City, you're there to watch Russell play basketball. Exactly. So I think that uh, I don't see Paul George going to a place like. Is there a player? Is there a player that you would less? You'd be less likely to enjoy playing a pickup game in basketball than Russell Westbrook. Well, considering my actual skill level in basketball, that would probably be pretty good. Like, I'd be okay with it, to be honest. 
Like if it's like you, you, you would basically be like, just don't pass me the ball. That, well, no, I mean, I'll be behind the three point line. I mean, I'm cool. With it. I could chuck up. I could chuck threes with the best of them. I mean, I could. <laughs> I mean, there are some guys that put up bricks all day. I mean, I'd be looking like Ben Simmons out there. Alonzo Ball. Yeah, man. I ne- you know, I got to be honest. I never understood. I never understood how why people were nervous shooting. It's like a lot of guys are bad shooting. A lot of guys throw up bricks. What does it even matter? Who cares if I miss? I might actually make the shot. And especially with the amount of money they're making, trust me, if you give me 10 million bucks, first off, I'll put up the shot. I mean, <laughs> and I don't care if it goes in or not. I mean, like, who cares? Like, like I don't know. Well, as we saw with J.R. Smith, as we saw with J.R. Smith the other night, <laughs> he didn't care either. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean. He's just collecting, he's collecting them paychecks. You know, the New Jersey prep school was supposed to go to North Carolina had a great McDonald's All-American game and somehow turned it into a long NBA career where he's made a lot of money. Yep. He's, I believe he's, hasn't he delivered his baby in his own bathroom? Do you ever hear this story about no. uh, oh, Jared no. Smith with his, uh, his, uh, I don't know if it's his wife or his fiance. She was, she was no. due to give birth. She still had like four weeks to go and she went into labor and literally, was popping that kid out in like an hour. And before they could even get to the hospital, she's like, he's like delivering the baby in their house. Like it was an outrageous story. Oh my Lord. No, I, first and, of all, I wouldn't want to be and a they, part they of that. And they named the kid, he, he, they, they named the kid after him. I, you know, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I got the wrong, I, maybe I have the wrong athlete, but it was definitely somebody involved with the Cavs. Oh no. I man. mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Oh no, you know what it was? I'm sorry. I, I got, uh, Shumpert and J.R. Smith confused. I can see Amon Shumpert. Amon Shumpert's a G, dude. Like Amon Shumpert's a definite G. He he delivered his own he delivered his own daughter in his house. And what do you think he named his daughter? What did he name it? Amon? Amon. Oh no. I don't know, man. Like, oh I wouldn't want to be doing that. I have two kids. I would not want to be there for the whole delivery process personally, at least ridiculous like well, i mean i i wouldn't delivery. actually I, mean, I wouldn't want like listen I, like look i'll I be on the side i'll be on the side like holding the hand and all that stuff but i'm not going to be there you know receiving the whole thing get out of here i'm not about that lifestyle uh, yeah, i'm not i'm not catching the football exactly like, I'm not, I'm not, and, and i'll be honest like, I, you know listen any anyone who is a anyone who is a dad and who has sat through uh not sat through because you're not you're not exactly sitting yeah when the when the game when the game uh is underway there's no, there's no sitting. You're, you're a, uh, you're observing, but you're a participant. Yep. You're an active participant. And, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a guy that I, uh, who I worked with, who he had a daughter probably about six months after I did. Mm-hmm. And he had described, he, he had asked me after my daughter was born, what, what's it like? What's the delivery room like? And I said, you know, a whole lot of nothing for us until, until it actually really starts to get going. And I said, there's about two to three seconds right before your kid's born to this split second afterward where it seems like, I don't want to say the kid shot out like a cannon, but it's like the kid just (laughs) shot out like a cannon. And in, in, in one blink of the eye, they're there. You think to yourself, Oh my God, that's, that just came out that what just happened there? Yeah. Like your mind is blowing. You're looking at the kid and you're like, that's impossible. I don't believe what I just saw. Like, it's like, you know, 
Kurt Gowdy calling the <laughs> Kurt Gibson home run. It's, I don't believe what I just saw. Like that's, that's what was on repeat in my head when my daughter was born. I was like, there's no way that that, that thing is coming out soon. And boom. And listen, if people, if people don't want to hear about childbirth and all that sort of stuff, well, too bad. We're both dads. That's it. We've, we've been through it. And uh, I guess our wives were, were definitely much more through it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we'll, most of us will be there at some point. So if you're like 25 listening to the podcast and you don't understand what the heck we're talking about, one day you will. You will this soon is, enough. This is, a, this is a little bit of wisdom. This is a, a little bit of wisdom for, uh, for down the road in life when, uh, when you're, you're blessed with a child. But yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens. And Iman Shumpert uh, was an, a very active participant, and he was practically a uh, an MD for his own daughter's birth. Yeah, man. He's, Segwaying he's a G, over though. to uh, he's a G man. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, the, the Georgia Tech education, or or the partial <laughs> the, 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 the partial education did him well. Um, so you have uh, segueing over to the Cavs. What a series, man. I have, let me pose this question to you. Is the series over? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, I think you're nuts. I, I'm going to stop you right there. All right. I think that this series is so over, it's not even funny. The only way the Cavs have a shot is if they win both games at home. And they're going to. They're going to. I, I don't think Smith that's going to happen. Show up. I you, really don't think You that's said that J.R. Smith pooped himself, and he, he absolutely has. I'm not going to take that away from him because he certainly did. But he will show up. He will rise and shine. Kyle Korver will also show up. They're not dead. This is LeBron we're talking about. He does whatever it takes. Listen, <laughs> Kyle Korver. <laughs> Kyle Korver is just buying time until until he has a middle-aged male model career after he retires, okay? Kyle Korver is a great shooter, but let's face it. He's just – that's all he is. This, this Cleveland team has been getting by because of LeBron for these first couple rounds of the playoffs. Now that you're in the conference finals and you know, two weeks ago, we said any of the four teams remaining in the East could end up in the finals. It's true. We we weren't sure which it was. We thought both series were toss ups and then the finals would be a toss up. So Jason Tatum has played incredibly well. I can't give the guy enough credit. He has been unbelievable. He is proving that he should have been the number one pick in the draft. I agree with that. He's been great. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. Uh, him and Jalen Brown take turns putting up 30 points. It's like it doesn't really matter that only one of them is putting up 30. It's like one of them is going to put up 30. They're they're both kind of just going back and forth, trading, uh, trading who's delivering the punches. And, you know, neither one of them can handle LeBron, but Marcus Morris has at least – is it – wait – I'm sorry. They always I, I get them confused. Is it Markeith or Marcus? Markeith. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> either way, the uh, the Morris twin Celtics is uh, uh, he's at least getting LeBron's way. The guy is the guy's he's he's as big as LeBron. He's not as athletic as LeBron, but he's at least partially getting in his way. And I understand LeBron has still had monstrous games, but. You know, the rest of the Cavs are just doing nothing. Like, LeBron's a one-man team, and the way this series is going, I can't help but think, is LeBron going to be a Cav next year? I mean, we've talked about this. It's Can they get another star in Cleveland? 
if they can't, then he's probably gone. Uh-huh. It's going to be, I don't know. I said that there's like a possibility that LeBron could remain there. I mean, again, they'd have to make some moves. Uh, like I said, I think, I mean, the fact that they got the number eight pick really, really screwed them. Uh, Cause now when you look back at that trade for Kyrie Irving, like what an awful, awful trade. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they, they thought though, they thought they were getting like a top five pick. Yeah. And then they ended up with number eight. And I don't think someone like Trey Young, let's say, will fall to number eight for them, which would be somewhat you, like. Hold on, you, you, uh, I guess, you know, we'll get into this in, in a little bit later, but. I'm not sure that he won't fall to number eight. I mean, I guess he could. I mean, I think that you they, know, you know how these guys get. You know how these you know how these teams get with the uh, the projecting and the the size and their measurables and their you know all these different like tangibles and they don't measure the fact that like, there's a reason Steph Curry went as late as he did. There's a reason why Kawhi Leonard went as late as he did. It was because measurable wise. It didn't make sense to take them so early. I mean, and Steph was like a six foot three hundred seventy pound player. The people were like, "There's no way we're taking him in the top five. Mm-hmm. And teams that passed on him obviously regretted it. Kawhi was available because he was playing on a San Diego State team that really they, they played him at the four. And yeah, he was like a you know a six foot seven uh, great defensive player, but he wasn't asked to play on the perimeter. And then when he got to the pros, he showed he was able to actually hit outside shots. He was able to play on the outside, and he was able to guard perimeter players, which was the biggest thing. And so, you know, teams thought that they were drafting a tweener, but they were actually drafting probably the best defensive player in the NBA. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if he were to fall that far, I mean, I think that that would be a good pickup. I mean, I know all the sneaker companies are all about Trey Young right now because he's going to instantly be a celebrity right from day one. In the NBA, I mean, ESPN has done a good job of making sure that that light is really bright on them. So I think that that's the type of like they need someone who's dynamic in the backcourt, because right now that's exactly what Cleveland is lacking. Like they just don't have it. And when you have J.R. Smith out there and then you have uh, George Hill, who's been awful. uh, I mean, I don't even know, like basically anyone they throw in from a backcourt standpoint, they're pathetic. Like they the Cavaliers, they're a really bad basketball team there's no other way to say it their their roster construction right now is now I, I listen i get that they were sort of backed into a corner with Kyrie, and whether they handled it right or not is is sort of a moot point at this point because it's obviously it's happened i just think that their current roster if that team got to the finals they're going to get annihilated Yes, they are. That team's not good enough. That team is nowhere near good enough defensively to hang with either Western Conference team. Dude, but that's because, I, you know, I think that Tyron Lue is, like, the majority of the problem, though, man. Like, he doesn't say anything. Like, LeBron doesn't need to hold on to the ball as much as he does. Like, the biggest thing is, like, Cleveland doesn't move. Like, they don't do anything, like, offensively that scares you. It's all the same thing every time. LeBron goes to the rack, and then... <clears throat> He kicks it out to someone who's wide open if the defense collapses, or he tries to make the play in his own if there's no one there. Or the other play is just dump it to Kevin Love in the post and then let him kind of go from there um, if that's the play call they're going to go with. And then LeBron kind of like takes the playoff. I mean, that's pretty much it. They've got two sets. That's all they run. That's it. There's nothing else. Yes, and you're, you're exactly right. And we've talked about this before with 
would LeBron go to San Antonio or would he go to one of these teams that actually has a system? Nope. And the answer is no, because everywhere LeBron has been, the system has been Him. the LeBron system. The only time Basically, it wasn't LeBron was the first year in Miami. That's it. It was the first year in Miami. That was the only time. And then after that, they went to the LeBron system. and Yeah, because they it. lost. <laughs> because yeah. they lost. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where LeBron's going to be in uh He's going to be able to go wherever years. he wants. That's for sure. I mean, well, in a couple of years, he'll be retired. But... I mean, I, think, I don't think he's. Re- I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. What do you think he wants? You think he wants Kareem scoring title? He's going to get it. I think he'll I get think, it. I think he. I think he wants a lot of those career records, and the scoring title is definitely one of them. I think for him, he like he wants to be like a. I think he wants to be like a forty thousand, ten thousand, and ten thousand players. So forty thousand points, ten thousand rebounds, ten thousand assists. I think that's what he wants. For his career. And trust me, that's a monster career because now we're talking more points than Kareem, more assists than Magic Johnson. And I mean, 10,000 rebounds. I mean, obviously, it's not like Wilt Chamberlain type numbers or like Bill Russell or anything, but or Kareem, but it's still really, really good. I mean, that's a hell of a career. Hey, yeah, I mean, my belief with uh, with players has always been a guy will rarely retire if his body's not breaking down. And I don't think LeBron's body is anywhere close to breaking down. No, he he looks in, I mean, hell, the way he's been playing, he looks in tip-top shape. He'll have a bad game every now and again, which I think happens a little more frequently now than it did. And by more frequently, I mean it happens like once every like two weeks, whereas like before it seemed like he was like brilliant every game. And I don't know, part of it could just be the playoffs too. Uh, Part of it could also be that his team sucks. Like, (laughs) There's only so much like caring you can do before your back breaks. You need uh, time to charge up, but I don't know, man. I LeBron, he's a he's an icon, man. Like he doesn't need to necessarily be in basketball to have an impact or to transcend beyond basketball. Kind of like Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan, I mean, he's more than just a basketball player. He's a horrible executive, but um, that's a story for well, another so, day. Well, so is, so is LeBron. There's, uh, yeah. there's a lot of common themes among great players. Magic Johnson, terrible executive. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James. LeBron, the GM, is the furthest thing from a, uh, a Hall of Famer that we've ever seen. Um, so let's uh, – well, what's your final take on this uh, Celtics-Cavs series? How do you think it ends up after seeing the first two games? Well, I'm concerned – if I were to say that I am not concerned about Cleveland, that would be lying. Like I'm definitely concerned about the Cavaliers because based on what I've seen, there's a very good chance they could just come and get destroyed at the queue as well, like in game three, and then the series is essentially over. Because I don't believe that even LeBron can carry these bums for four straight games to wins. So I do think that Cleveland wins the next two games, and I ultimately think Cleveland wins in seven. Like that's my that's my gut. I think they win in seven. I'm uh, I'm I'm going a little opposite direction, and I, maybe it is overreaction to the first two games. I think Boston wins in five. It, uh, you know, I, there's nothing that the tape would tell me uh, that would indicate that anything different would happen. Otherwise, I I'm just trusting in LeBron. I'm putting blind faith in LeBron James at this point, because I've got nothing else to go on. I mean, based on the way JR has played, based on the way Tristan Thompson has played, this should be over in four, to be completely honest with you. So I'm hopeful. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, um, we've, we've gone through it in the past. I mean, think about it. Like, we're just talking about LeBron, the GM. 
LeBron's talent agency essentially represents Tristan Thompson. And somehow Tristan Thompson gets a contract extension for like $18 million a year. Like that is, that is nonsensical money. He should start Tristan jacking Thompson up threes. He's a role player. He's a role player. I agree. Well, there are a lot of role players making a bunch oh, of money. Dude, it's, ins- it's insane. This, this sort of say, we can sort of segue into uh, our, you know, the draft lottery uh, talk and sort of yes. where the, the off season is going to go. There has been outrageous contracts given out over the last couple of years. The Joakim Noah contract with the Knicks <laughs> was, I mean, listen, Phil Jackson, the ironic thing is that Phil Jackson got fired for the way he treated Mello, which is, which is mind blowing to me at the time. Because obviously I live in the, you know, I live in the, the, the New York, uh, New Jersey tri-state area. Yes. And it blew my mind when I would hear people calling up sports radio stations saying he should be fired because of how he's treated Mello. The same people who hated Mello's guts. They said the guy plays no defense. He's the ball goes to him and just it disappears. It, the ball goes <laughs> passes go there to die. And they Indeed. were concerned about how he was treating Mello because he was basically telling Mello, "You have to be. I'm going to trade. You have to let me trade you." And Mello kept saying no. And they go, "Man, the disrespect that he's showing them." And the final straw was taken Frank Nilakina mm-hmm. in the in the NBA draft last year. Apparently. There's been reports that the front office, like his scouts and everything, wanted to take Dennis Smith Jr. or Donovan Mitchell. And he said, no, I want to take Neil Aquino. If that was his parting gift to the franchise, then what a gift it was. <laughs> really, what a gift it was. If the Knicks had Donovan Mitchell to pair with a healthy Porzingis, yeah, that would have been, they, would have, they would have a very different outlook right now. A very different outlook. But, you know, the Knicks are still a mess. Um. And when I was thinking about these various teams, and mostly I was thinking about the Celtics, when I was thinking about the Celtics series, it, it kind of dawned on me, what team would you most want to be three years from now? Like three years from now, just looking at what people's assets are in terms of draft picks and potential in terms of salary cap and maybe young stars that they have right now, who do you think three years from now are the contenders? Well, there are a couple teams in the East. I think the East has, you know, a great crop of players that can, you know, make an impact. I mean, I don't think that a team like the Bucks is really that far away from, I mean, you saw the way that they played Boston, who might very well be going to the NBA Finals and representing the East. They're not that far off from that team. Like, they were like a head coach away from being able to compete with those teams. Yeah. So Milwaukee's there. Uh, Philadelphia. I, I mean, if Ben Simmons can learn how to shoot, because I had to remove him from the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I did. Come on, bro. He can't shoot. Like, you can't. He can't. You, it's like if, you, if it's like Rajon Rondo. Like, it, you can't shoot. You can't be a Hall of Famer. Like, exactly. It's that simple. So, so I had to take him out of the Hall of Fame. And if he can learn how to shoot, then I think the 76ers would be a very intriguing spot. I don't know. I don't love. Um, Indiana all that much, but they played Cleveland pretty close. They might be a team on the come up as well. I think Toronto is going to be on the way down personally, but I mean that they're we'll, we won't mention them. And Boston looks good too, man, with Jason Tatum. I mean, I don't even know if you want to keep Gordon Hayward to be completely honest. I mean, try and get rid of him, offload him, and all that money. Get someone else. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, the reason why Boston kind of inspired this, uh, inspired this idea or this, uh, topic was they own the Kings number one pick next year. It's only top one protected. Well, the Kings will be in contention for that one pick again. That's for sure. Well, so yeah, I mean, look at the Kings current roster. They have the second pick this year. Right now, the projected top two picks are DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. uh, and Luka Doncic. I think I'm saying it right. Doncic. Yeah, yes. So apparently the reports out of Spain today is that Doncic had a press conference where he said, I may or may not go to the NBA. Phoenix hired a coach who was his national team coach in Slovenia where he won a uh, Euro championship with uh, that coach and Goran Dragic. Hmm. And I tell you, the, the videos that I've seen of him, obviously it's, it's really hard to have a informed, strong opinion of these European-based players because there's not a whole lot to go off of. You're looking at highlights and they're playing guys that are not NBA caliber. And I understand in college – you know, college basketball, you're not exactly looking at guys that are NBA caliber either for the most part. But he did a lot of things for a guy who's 18 and, and playing big minutes and taking big shots for for one of the best teams in Europe. You know, usually in Europe when you're young, they don't let the young players anywhere near big minutes. Mm-hmm. They basically tell them, you're you're a kid. Other guys are, are going to basically carry the load. That's not the case with Doncic. Doncic is is a really creative player, and he's he's a pretty big guy for you know for 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 the position he plays. Where he's he almost looks more like a point forward, but he's he's a ball handler. That's about six foot six. I mean, you know, he's got he's got a bit of an he's got a decent outside shot, not a great outside shot, but he's mm-hmm. really really adept at getting to the basket and passing. Um, I think he's better than a Ricky Rubio. I don't know if I would say that I think he's better than DeAndre Aiden. I always get concerned in the modern era taking big men really early in the draft. I think big men can turn into really good like second fiddles in the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen with most of the teams that have dominated in the last number of years, most of those teams are perimeter-oriented teams. They have a as you like to say, they have a decision maker on the outside Yes, who, who is a great decision maker who can score from the outside, who can rebound, who can dish. Just basically it's, it's, it sort of goes back to when you look at some of the other sports, a, a quarterback that can dictate the game or in soccer, having a midfielder that can dictate the tempo of the game. Yeah. They're in control. The defense is reacting to them. With a with a big man, we saw in in uh, in New Orleans, Anthony Davis is is an unbelievable player, but the guard play, there's not a dominant guard on that team who can really dictate the tempo. Yeah, they have nice and players. dictate the style. Yeah, they have nice players, but no one again, no one that makes you like, oh my god, like we gotta we gotta do something about this guy. I mean, I look at Rajon Rondo uh, to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying. I mean, he can feed Anthony Davis the ball because Anthony Davis is a pretty, I mean, otherworldly talent. He's unbelievable. Uh, Drew Holiday's pretty good. I mean, he's not 
incredible, but he's really, really good. He's a very, he's more than a solid NBA guard, but you need like a dynamic guard. You need dynamic guard play and an elite decision maker if you're going to be a championship contender. And why do you, I mean, look at the way uh, Boston's been playing. Like Rogier has been incredible. Uh, Golden State has really good guard play. Houston has really good guard play. We're not going to talk about Cleveland, J.R. Smith again, but by and large, if you want to be successful in the NBA, you need really good guard play, really good decision makers. And I just don't believe that drafting someone like Aiton, let's say, I mean, I know a lot of people like you got to draft him number one. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't at all. I, I struggle with it a little bit because Josh Jackson finished the season pretty well. Um, Devin Booker is a good player. They have a glaring weakness at point guard, mm-hmm. like a, a big-time ball handler, and they really don't have a center either. So it's like, in terms of their needs, they have a need at both positions. It's just a matter of who is going to be more impactful. And I think if you think Doncic can truly be a a star and really basically be the face for franchise, then he could transform them. If you take Aiton, it's sort of, I think Aiton is a safe pick in terms of, I think he'll be good. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if he's going to be great. Like, and I don't think he's going to be great right away. Like if you told me year number one, he's averaging 16 and nine. I would believe that. If you told me he's averaging 25 and 15, I'm saying, mm, maybe not. So it's if, if you're looking for immediate gratification, I, even, even Aiden at a respectable level is probably the immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at overall ceiling, where who has the potential to be a world-class player, and totally dominate. I like Aiden a lot. I really do. I I think there's elements to his game that really fit the modern game. Mm-hmm. He has a very smooth outside shot. He puts up pretty good numbers inside. The thing that concerns me is that he's not a dominant defensive player. As big and as athletic as he is, he's not dominant on the outside. Yeah. Oh, sorry, on the inside defensively. And if I'm banking on a guy to carry my franchise as a big man, he's got to be dominant. He's got to be a dominant force defensively. Yeah. I think that this year's this year's number one pick is really a tough situation. It's it's a good draft, but I point, think at the top at, it's tough. I agree. At this point, I don't know who I'd pick. I really don't. I think the safe pick is Aiden. But as I've learned with what I think are safe picks. Honestly, in the NBA, if you're not taking guys that are, unless you have like five DeAndre Aydens, one at every position, then you're probably not going to compete for a title. Yep. I'm, I don't, unless the guy is like Kevin Durant at that size, like I'm just not buying because, I mean, he's not going to come in and like average like 
he will not be a 30 point per game player in two years. Like there's no way to me drafting Deandre Ayton is like drafting Carl Anthony Towns and Carl Anthony Towns is a nice player, but you're not winning a championship with him as your best player either. Like he's just not that guy. Well, I think a big part of that is the, the modern system or the modern style of play. Yeah. I mean, it's just not it's so it's so three point oriented. If you can't shoot from the outside and the, the, I'll be honest. The reason I would lean Aiton right now mm-hmm. is Doncic is not a great three point shooter, and I and I've long held the belief that if you're not a if you're not a natural really good shooter, you probably will never become an elite shooter. You might become a respectable shooter, but I don't think you can be a dominant player unless you have like. LeBron's physical attributes attributes unless you are a very natural shooter of the ball. Yeah. I want to say that he's like shooting in the low 30s in Europe from 3. That's not horrendous for an 18-year-old, but it's not it's not great. Yeah, I don't I mean I'm I don't mind drafting European folks. That doesn't bother me. No, that doesn't bother me at all. It's just a matter of how dominant do I think he's going to be? Yeah. Like who who do I think is safer? I think Aiton's safer, but I yeah, think what's Doncic, safe? Like what's safe? Like what does safe mean? Like is safe going to get you to a championship? Well, if he's Carl Anthony Towns, so let's think about this, right? Let's say, let's say you have Carl Anthony Towns, okay, or let's say yeah, let's for example, let's say Aiden is Carl Anthony Towns. All right, let's go. With you that. take Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. you pair him with Jackson and Booker. And you add role players over the next couple of years around them, and you get yourself a point guard, whether via free agency or via trade. Is that team good enough to compete in a couple of years if Booker and Jackson develop? Like, I think possibly. You like Josh Jackson? I think he's a good defensive player, and I think that he performed better in the second half of the season than I thought he would. I don't love him right now. No, but I don't do love I him at all, actually. Like I I think he's just an average player. I think he's like a Trevor Ariza type player, like the absolute best oh, he but, can be. But hold on. Like Trevor Ariza has been on really good teams. Yeah, he can thank Kobe Bryant for those championships. If if if, if he ends up developing into your fourth best player, like we talked about last week. Yeah, but he was picked number four overall. Something. He was picked number four, man. You want a franchise changer, man. No, Not a- but listen, I, listen, I know that, but I, I understand that. But let's be realistic. All right. Go through next week. This is what we're going to do on the next podcast, okay? We're going to go through the last, like, eight drafts. And we're going to go through the top 20 picks and count the number of guys who are franchise players or even just good players. Mm-hmm. So, and then those that are role players. And what we and should I do— I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the overwhelming majority are just role players. Yeah, I mean, I. I it's just true, think, man. They, think about it. I just think, think how many think how many Joe Alexanders there are out <laughs> there, like guys that go eighth overall and are honestly, they just, deserve the Horton the Horton here's a poo award. Yeah, they do <laughs> for their careers. Well, I look at it like this, man. Like if you go to Phoenix, it's not like you're going anywhere anyway. That franchise has no direction. They're just getting draft picks and hoping like hell one of them becomes a really good player. And it's possible. I mean, like I said, to me, a safe player is like 
you know, like there are a lot of players in the NBA that are just like safe players to have on your team. Like you can go have like a Serge Ibaka on your team. He's a safe player. I'd say he's a pretty good basketball player. Every team should have a, a Serge Ibaka on their team, but I don't, would I take a player like that as like my number one pick overall? No, I sure wouldn't. I don't know. I So you would rather swing for the fence. You would rather swing for the fence and miss than take an Ibaka. I would, yes. I'm it's crazy. Not, it's, I'm crazy. It's, it's not no, it's not that it's not that you're crazy. It's I don't totally disagree with you and I don't totally agree with you. For me, it depends on what is my current roster right now. If I look and I have a guy, if I look and I have a guy who I think I can build around and he can truly be the franchise player, then I think to myself, I need to get the guys who are going to be good. I need to find my second and third bananas. But if I have a team who I'm not sure that I have a number one, then I'm swinging for the fence. Gotcha. Because without a number one, you're never going to win anything. But if you have what you believe is a number one, then you're looking for those complementary pieces. Or somebody who you think can end up being a number two or a number three on a championship team. I see. I mean, my take is if you have your number one already and you're drafting high like that, I would try and fleece another team. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I would just fleece well, another look, look, team. Look, 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 look. If, if, if you're not trying to fleece another team, then you're not trying. Like, anyone, who, anyone out there who's a fantasy, fantasy, anything player. Yeah. Any, if you're a real-life GM or a fantasy football, fantasy basketball, baseball, whatever, whatever you're playing, if you're not trying to fleece other people, then you're not doing your job. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, it's I mean, true. It's, it's true. Truth. It's the truth. I agree. I, like, I'm, not, I'm not here to make deals. I'm not here to make deals that are in everybody's best interest. If, it's in, if, it's, if it works out for you, great. As long as it works out for me, I don't care. Agreed. So... So you would yeah, take I mean, eight and number one. So you would take eight and number one. If I'm Phoenix right now, I would take eight and number one. You're 100 uh, percent convinced he's better than Bagley. I, I am. Yes. Okay. Bagley. Bagley to me, the the biggest concern I have about Bagley is that I don't know where I could play him defensively. It's true. He's he's not big enough. He's not strong enough to play the five. And I don't think he is good enough on the perimeter to play against a stretch four. And offensively, he does not have an outside shot. And I understand that with with practice and working on his outside shot, being a full-time professional, maybe he'll start to develop an outside shot. But in the modern NBA, if you're a four, you got to be able to knock down the outside shot. Mm-hmm. You have to. And I don't think he's that kind of player. He reminds me of a guy who would have been very successful about 20 years ago. No, he's really good at running the floor. He's got great hops in terms of like the second bounce ability. Like where after the first jump, he gets back up so quickly. He's got that like really good twitch about him in terms of getting back off the ground after jumping. But I just don't think that in the modern NBA – as he's currently built, that it's a recipe for success. If he works out those kinks, 
where he develops an outside game, shows the ability to take guys off the dribble, uh, shows an ability to pass when double teams, then I think that he could be something. But I just, I never like guys who I think to myself, I have to hide them defensively. Because all it takes is a pick and roll and a switch, and all of a sudden you're you're screwed. It's true. Well, look, there are a lot of big guys that get screwed with that anyway. I mean, listen, I mean, I know we're seeing like Steph Curry getting dominated, but again, I just think anyone will get dominated against James Harden. I look at it like this. If I have the number one pick, I'm get ordering myself a whole bunch of steaks, a whole bunch of potatoes, and I'm drafting Trey Young because homeboy needs to get some weight. And I think that that's what a lot of these teams need. You need someone that's going to actually do something and make plays and be electric. That's what I'd be going for personally, because that's, yeah. you you need guard play. Like I'm looking at a whole bunch of different mock drafts over here. It's like everyone, like everyone I'm looking at, like six ten, six ten. It's like yeah, but none of these guys are Kevin Durant, like at all. Like they're not that type so, of player. So I'm a, I was on NBA Draft.net earlier, and Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. All right. This is a guy. I watched Michigan State play several times this year. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, you know, looked to me like a, a good defensive player. Was sort of in a bit of a rotation because they had, you know, the whole square pegs, round hole situation going yeah. on Michigan State. Way too many fours to play, and they were playing yeah, like them Miles out of position. And, yeah. Exactly. Jaron Jackson's NBA comp, okay? Here's a blast from the past, a career that went absolutely nowhere. Sharif Abdur Rahim. Are you shitting me with that? <laughs> You're taking that guy in the top five? The Nuggets took him in the top five 20 something years ago. And you know what? It didn't work. I understand he had some injury problems, but come on, man. Yeah, no, I'm. Like, come on. Jaron Jackson does not have an offensive game. No, not like I'm that. I'm not taking anybody. I I refuse to take anybody in the top five who can't score. Yep. I'm well, with like, you. That, that's, that's the whole point of playing bad. If you can't put the ball in the basket, what good are you? <laughs> You'll never be even a third banana if you can't score. That's just you it. At best, you're a four. You're Tristan Thompson. Oh, he, he was God, it's disgusting, dude, dude. Dude, dude, it's absolutely disgusting. Look, that's why I don't believe in that. I to me, it's I'll very, take very Trae simple. Young. I'm a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan, and I know Chris Dunn before he broke his face on that like dunk. <laughs> he did. He broke his face. He actually, literally, literally, as they say in Dublin, he, he literally broke his face, <laughs> and he missed like the, the the rest of the season. And I tell you, man, he played well for a stretch, but I'm not taking a wing or a big man because we got Chris Dunn. I'm taking the best player available, and Trey Young to me is the best player available. If I'm ta- if I'm drafting a number seven, if if you give LeBron, if LeBron goes back to Cleveland, he gets Trey Young. I will be furious, absolutely furious. Yeah, I mean that to me is who I would pick number one, and I know it's ridiculous because look, there's a chance he could be completely dominated and exposed, and playing in Phoenix won't help because there are a lot of great point guards in the Western Conference. But look. You need a person who will make decisions and then someone who is not scared to put up the shot even when it's not going in. A lot of these other guys, it's like, mm, it's like I'm not all about that stuff. You need elite decision makers. You need guys that know how to make decisions. And don't get me wrong, Trey Young is not an elite decision maker, but 
I'm 1000% confident he can be coached and can become an elite decision maker. Like, I can already see it. Listen, this is, this is a guy who, even though he was criticized post, um, you know, in the new year mm-hmm. for his, uh, for his dip in his statistics, he is basically the only player that we've seen in, in the last like 60 years who has led the country in scoring and assists. Exactly. Like you're telling me like this guy he was playing with dog shit. I mean, I can't, I can't come up with an easier way to say this. Like they don't have another NBA player on that team. They don't even have a guy who would be on an NBA tryout. That was a really bad team. And they were good early on because of how good he was. Once teams realized if we triple team him, there's nobody else who can score. That's when the team fell apart. But his stats were still there. He was still scoring against these teams. Yep. It just, it kills me. Like it kills me that people go back to the, all the metrics and the tangibles. Look, I don't care if he's six foot three and, and slight. Steph Curry was the same way. And I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry. Okay. I'm not saying he is Steph Curry. Yeah. But he was doing things. The eyeball test, man. You could just see it. You just see it. You're like, this guy's different than these yeah, other he players. Was, you know, jacking up these 25 footers and they're going in regularly. And he's scoring. I mean, I feel like ESPN ruined him with these stat trackers during games. And they were, it was like the tray watch. Yeah. That ruins a player. But I just, I, I think that the hate is going way too far on him. Yeah, and well, not just him, like, if you're telling me you can either choose Colin Sexton or Jaron Jackson, I'm taking Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton needs to work on his jump shot, for sure. Mm-hmm. But man, when you put the ball in that guy's hands, that guy looks like an NBA player. No, I agree. I mean, listen, I think that, you know, a lot of these teams get too caught up with measurables. And I just think that the NBA is just going to continue to get smaller and smaller, man. Like as players get like, ultimately what it's going to come down to is just speed and energy, man. And when you look at teams like um, the only exception to that, even to a degree is like Anthony Davis, where I think that, you know, if he can work on his decision-making, he can become like, basically he would be the guy in the NBA. He would be it if he figures that out. But, you know, a lot of teams think like, not every player is going to be freaking LeBron James. Like LeBron is, he's the Dr. Pepper, man. He's a one in a billion. Like the chances of there being another him is extremely low. And the chances of there being another player in NBA history, like, like a remix type player, like LeBron, it will be like, a, if there's going to be another player like LeBron, he won't be as good as LeBron. Let's put it like that. Just like Kobe was to Michael Jordan. Like Kobe was really, really, really good. And I'm not saying that Kobe would never be able to beat Michael Jordan. I think that they were pretty close, but I think that Michael Jordan overwhelmingly would beat him. I would, well, I guess I say overwhelmingly. I think Michael Jordan would beat him the majority of the time. And, but, but Kobe was close. I think it'll be the same thing with LeBron, but none of these guys that are like, you know, six, eight and above are LeBron James. None of them are that. They're not going to be that guy. So I would say get yourself a guard because that's what you need. Like even teams that, you know, got eliminated really quick in the postseason, like the uh, Portland Trailblazers, like well, how do they get to the number three seed and get to the playoffs? Strong guard play and pretty good decision-making. Like that's what you need in today's NBA. And if you don't have it, you're not competitive, period. I don't care how tall these guys are because when I look at guys like Carl Anthony Towns, what do I see? Slow, they are on their feet the whole time. They're not fast enough. And these guards embarrass them. Like you do a switch of James Harden on Carl Anthony Towns, 
Carl Anthony Towns would get embarrassed. Like, bottom line, can't keep up with James Harden. He doesn't have that level of, of athleticism. And even Anthony Davis, like, Anthony Davis couldn't check someone like James Harden. It, it just is what it is. So I would say go with the guards. That's the way to do it. You need decision makers. If you're an NBA GM and you're listening, decision makers. Do not get <laughs> caught up with the size because, trust me, they're not LeBron. They are not LeBron. And they're definitely not going to be KD either. So don't do it. Do not do it to yourself. I agree, man. All right, so before we wrap things up, I just want to do a little a little quick fire uh, question that I I thought of for both of us mm-hmm. uh, based on something I had seen uh, about a week ago. Who are your top four quarterbacks of the nineteen nineties? Top four quarterbacks of the nineties. Oh my goodness. So there were a bunch of people that played in the 90s. So Steve Young played in the 90s. I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to put these names out so I have them out there. Jim Kelly played in the 90s, but I don't think he was as dominant. Brett Favre was a three-time MVP in the 90s, so he would have to be a top four. Um, Troy Aikman played in the 90s. He was pretty good. Dan Marino played in the 90s. I think I mentioned him already. John Elway played. Uh, My goodness, there were a lot of good quarterbacks in the 90s. Joe Montana played, but he wasn't like the 80s Joe Montana, so he wouldn't be... Uh, yeah, he was just sort of that was the tail end of his yeah. career. So, the NFL Network had ran this. You know, they do their top ten, and I think they really undervalued Steve Young. I, I I really think they undervalued Steve Young. Steve Young for the better part of from nineteen ninety to like nineteen about ninety one to ninety eight, he was really good, especially in the regular season. I mean, especially for the time. Yeah, I understand he was thrown at Jerry Rice, but even after you know, even when Jerry Rice was washed up, he was he was really really good in terms of his his statistics and his quarterback ratings. This was back when if you had a hundred quarterback rating, it was crazy. Yeah, and you know, I think they they put the top three as Aikman, Elway number two, and Favre number one. Okay, I could see Favre. They had Elway too. I thought the Elway number two was just. See, I would have swapped. I would have swapped Elway back, and I would have put Young at number two. I agree. Because I feel like Young's regular season stats combined, he had won Super Bowl, played in a ton of NFC championships, made the playoffs every year. I thought that he was really, really good in the '90s, and I understand Troy Aikman won the three Super Bowls. Emmitt Smith won those Super Bowls. So they were so offensive line and running back heavy that. I'm not taking anything away from Aikman. Aikman was incredibly accurate. Yes. Like this was a guy who was pinpoint accuracy and that was like his, his calling card. But man, I just, I, 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 I know that when these TV shows come up with their rankings and stuff, they're doing it just to get under people's skin. They always throw something in there to be like, what the hell are you talking about? But for me, I go Elway, number four, Aikman, number three, Steve Young, number two, and Brett Favre, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's how I would have gone for it. I just want to see if you had. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't object a, a to that bit at of all. A different opinion. I mean, Troy Aikman kind of ruined my childhood, but I will say this, and this is why. Like, <laughs> listen, Brett, don't don't hold it against Troy. Don't. No, hold I'm it not going to hold it against him. I'm here, not going to hold it against him. Here's the reality. Him. Here's the reality, Kyle. Troy Aikman is continuing to torture you as a broadcaster now because. Let's face it. You're exactly right, Kyle. Troy Aikman doesn't know what he's talking about on a weekly basis. Yeah. Well, oh, man. 
I will say this though, and the reason why I have Brett Favre number one, and I agree because you know the '96 49ers. I really like. We had a uh, home playoff game, and I'm like, man, like we can actually do it this year. Like I don't think the Cowboys are really that good. We can do it. Like we can actually get back there again. And Brett Favre killed us that game. Like I literally cried. Like I cried <laughs> as a kid. I'm just like, I can't believe we lost. Like. And then we got like 50 inches of snow and there was no school for three days or four days afterwards. Like, I, oh my That's goodness. right, man. That was, that was leading up to that. Uh, the blizzard of 96, man. That you remember that? That was leading up to the blizzard of 96. Anyone who lives in the Northeast remembers. Yeah, that was ridiculous. The blizzard <laughs> of 96. <clears throat> Just to put it in perspective, right? So anyone who's, who's a little bit younger probably doesn't have any, any sort of memory of it. And they're thinking, man, you guys are talking about 1990s quarterbacks. I, I was barely alive. Listen, before before the league became pussy whipped with these cornerback and secondary rules about not being able to touch guys, there were actually some quarterbacks that still put up stats. And five thousand yards today is the equivalent of what four thousand yards was back, back then. then. Totally agree. Totally and, agree. You know, thirty touchdowns was thirty touchdowns back then was what forty touchdowns are today. So basically every stat just add like twenty percent to it and or take twenty percent off of, of today's stats and you would have an accurate reflection of what it was back then. Back to the Blizzard 96. Blizzard 96, okay? Best way to describe this. Al Roker, all right, who somehow still has a job on television and is the <laughs> occasional weatherman. He went on television in New York and said, I'm forecasting three to six inches tonight. Three to six. No, more like okay? three to six That's, feet. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was outrageous. I wake up, okay, and I'm thinking, everyone's thinking, all right, three to six inches, no problem. Two-hour delay. Maybe there'll be a two-hour delay tomorrow if there is snow. If there's not, then we get the day off. And with the way our dads, our dads commuted to the city. So we lived in the Poconos growing up, small town called Milford, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Kyle lived in Dingman's Ferry, but we all all went to the same school. And they used to travel down to the city, um, and dude – I walk downstairs and I hear the the door opening up and I'm thinking, why is it sunlight out and why is the door opening? Nobody has woken me up and the sun's out. And my dad walks through the door and I say, why are you here? Because like these dudes didn't miss, they didn't miss work to get snow. No, not at all. They, without saying a word, he pushes the door open and moves out of the way and just points. The snow was up to his waist and it was up to my chest. And I was 10. Yeah, and it was the most mind-blowing from like 1 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock in the morning. There ranged from 36 to 48 inches of snow. This was like 4 inches of snow an hour. It was unbelievable. And I've never seen more snow in my life, like ever. The the highway, the highway near our house was under three feet of snow. The plows didn't even have an opportunity to clear any of it. It was it was the first time, and I know that in these days, like in 2018, we hear the term state of emergency all the time. If it's gonna like snow two inches, there's a state of emergency. Stay at home, don't leave your house. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that I had heard the term state of emergency. But I understood it because yeah. literally 
there was TV cameras in Times Square and Times Square was under two and a half feet of snow. And there was not a single soul walking, a car driving. It truly was everybody is in their house because we can't leave our house because in order to walk two feet, we got a shovel. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was it was ridiculous. And what I'll always remember about that is that the Super Bowl was played like a week later. What an absolutely just bizarre week. And that was a Super Bowl where the Packers uh, the Packers, the uh, you know, Brett Favre ran around and led to the you can't take your helmet off uh, on the field celebration rule. And uh, Desmond Howard won uh, MVP. won the Super Bowl MVP for yep. just ripping the Patriots heart out. And, you know, what was really kind of under the radar during that whole thing was just all the chaos that was going on in new England between the owner and Bill Parcells, like stuff that you really didn't truly get was going on. But afterward, you know, sort of clicked that that definitely had an impact on their performance that day. Yeah. The internet Um, wasn't as big of a thing. So there wasn't as much content to read. You have to rely on like sports illustrated magazine, things like that. So a little bit different times. Oh yeah, man. Like these, like, and, and what I always remember about sports illustrated back then was, can you imagine if Sports Illustrated today? This is this is this is my parting thought, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if Sports Illustrated today ran an article about who in professional sports is leading in terms of being a baby daddy? Oh yeah, no, that would. Do you remember with the Gary Payton, <laughs> oh, Sean yeah. Kemp, Scotty Pippen? It was like all these guys who had like seven, eight illegitimate children. And this was actually a news story. Whereas today it's like you get Antonio Cromartie with like, was like 14 or 15 kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Antonio Cromartie is so fertile that he went and got a vasectomy and went home afterward and got his wife knocked up. Potent. 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 <laughs> and then all of a sudden he could not believe that his wife got knocked up and he calls the doctor. And the doctor goes, you didn't get my voicemail? He goes, the vasectomy didn't work. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you. Like, it was a failed, it was a failed vasectomy. And, and Antonio's thinking, oh, man, I'm good to go. I'm not going to have a 14th child. And instead, <laughs> out it comes. Antonio the 14th comes out. But, uh, yeah, man, a lot, of, a lot of weird stuff, man. And um, times, times they, they bees are changing. Uh, sometimes for the better, uh, sometimes techno technologically for the better. Yes. Uh, and other times, uh, yeah, not maybe so not much. so much, <laughs> not so much, but, um, do you have any final thoughts for, uh, for this episode? No, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, I think that we have our picks in place. I think that we're in good position now for, uh, you know, just getting an idea of what we're going to do for the NBA draft. We talked about that for next time around. Of course, there'll be some playoff basketball. We'll probably have a better idea of what uh, the finals may potentially look like as well. So uh, it'll be fun times. I'm really, really excited. I'd say we're good to go, ready for next episode. Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BigOD5. Uh, we have a uh, Twitter account for the podcast as well. Um, you can uh, Google that again. The LeBron and OD podcast. Uh, you can uh, go to my pod. Sorry, you can go to my handle uh, if you want to link. I know Twitter's having some issues yes. uh, at the moment, uh, but we'll get that sorted out. And uh, if you have any questions, 
anything at all that you want to to reach out to us about, feel free to do so. We'll be yeah. happy to answer them and uh, include them in the next podcast. And uh, as always, for the artist formerly known as Kyle LeBron, I am Brian O'Donnell. See you next time.